All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching series this morning on practicing his presence. This is part six, and I, I thought I was going to finish last week, but actually I'm going to probably have one more more next week. So uh, we, uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to cover everything I need to cover this morning as well. So anyway, with uh, that said, uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. I want to say also Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, and thank you for all of your support and uh, your place in our online lives. So we, we appreciate you, we value you, and we wish you Happy Father's Day. So that, again, with that said, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. We've been, our key verse in this series, and even last series, was from Romans 21, where it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. There's five steps here in Romans 121 that talk about how we can stay full of God, stay full of Him. This can also be reversed. These are four steps of how we can move away from God. And so, and the first step is glorifying God as God. The first step, second step is thanking God. And the third, which leads into the vain imaginations or a good imagination. And then which leads to the uh, darkest heart or a good heart. Excuse <coughs> me. I spent the last couple of weeks talking about the latter portion, uh, talking about the heart issues of the heart. I still want to kind of continue on that thread a little bit, but I want to go a little different direction this morning as we're talking about practicing His presence. And I want to kind of tie all this in that I've been sharing over the last few weeks about practicing His presence. Okay, excuse me. So, let me just preface by saying this. You know, every problem is solved. Every problem in our life is solved based on how much we dwell in God's presence, okay? How we dwell in God's presence is very, very significant. And how our lives go, how they function, uh, how problems are solved or not solved, okay? Practicing His presence is key to every issue of our life. And the problems that we have in life, whether it be financial, health, relational, um, all types of, of issues of life, they are solved by how much we practice His presence, how much we dwell and abide in His presence. As we start off this morning, I want to go to Psalm 91, and I actually want to read this entire psalm, all 16 verses, and then I want to add zero and let this be a springboard to our teachings of this morning. So in Psalm 91, we begin with verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Excuse <coughs> me. You shall not be afraid by the, uh, by the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day 
nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, who is the most high, your dwelling place. And that's a key, key part. Everything that we're seeing here, all these promises are based on us making the Lord our God our dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you shall dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent, and you shall trample on your foot. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him, and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Again, all these promises that we read in this entire psalm, 16 verses, is based on us dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abiding in the shadow of His wings. We're talking about practicing His presence. And in practicing His presence, we're going to talk a lot about this morning about dwelling in the secret place, abiding in God. Okay? Because we can't talk about practicing His presence if we're not dwelling in His presence, if we're not abiding in His presence. Okay. This word dwell in the Greek, when you study it out, it means a fixed position. In other words, this dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, this practicing His presence is not an occasional event. It's not sporadic. It's not infrequent. As we're talking about practicing His presence, as we're talking about abiding in His presence, see, many only visit when they're in trouble. Many only visit 15 minutes a day or an hour a day for their what they call devotions. <clears throat> I'm not against having devotions. I'm married to my wife. We do life together. But we also have a meal together. We also go on dates. We also do things that are very intimate together. But we also dwell with each other all day long. That makes sense? And so, I'm okay with having set aside time, 15 minutes, an hour, or more. But I also think we need to practice His presence all day long. And most of us, an hour is not enough. Okay? You try doing that with just an hour a day with your spouse, and see how long your relationship with that will, or your kids, or whatever that might be, and see how that will um, de develop that relationship. See, any relationship, it can't be a relationship if it's only on occasion. If it's only sporadic. That might be an acquaintance, that might be, excuse me, a friendship to a certain level. But that's not your closest friends. That's not your closest companions if all you do is, is sporadic. Okay? Anyway, Psalm 91 describes what I call a victorious Christian life. And it's based on dwelling and abiding in Him. See, in Joshua 1 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. <coughs> Excuse me. But you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
You know, this sounds very simple. And yet, are we prospering and having good success? See, prospering and having good success is the fruit of meditating on His Word day and night. So if we're not seeing the fruit, then we don't have the root. We're detached. We're not abiding. We're not dwelling and meditating on His Word day and night. And if we are, you can argue with me and say, but Pastor Day, I am meditating on His Word day and night. Then you should be prosperous and having good success according to the Word of God. Because I'm going to exalt the Word of God over your experience and my experience. If your experience and my experience don't line up with the Word of God, guess which one has to change? Because God's not going to change. His Word is true. And I'm not here to argue with you, but I'm here to magnify the Word of God. Okay? And so, if we are truly meditating on His Word day and night, now, we can meditate on a lot of things. We can meditate on things that we worry about, stressed about, whatever it might be. But what's your dominant thought? What's your dominant meditation? I'm not saying that you don't spend time with God throughout the day, but what's dominant? In the mixture of you being meditating on His Word day and night, are you worried about life? Are you anxious? How are your emotions? How are your, what's your thought life like? You might not be thinking things of sin, but anything that's not a faith of sin. Okay? And I can, I can go real deep with this. But what's your most dominant meditation day and night? The Word of God? His presence? Because if you, it is, if you're truly dwelling and abiding in the divine, meditate on His Word day and night. Because how many know the Word is not the ink, but the Word is a person, and His name is Jesus. And we're talking about present, we're talking about practicing His presence, which includes meditating on His Word day and night. And if we are, we will have, we will be prosperous and have good success because the Word of God says it. And let God be true and every man a liar. Okay, and so it's simple. But if we want to have be prosperous and have good success, and prosperous in our health, prosperous in our finances, prosperous in our relationships, prosperous in life, in general. See, most of the promises of God are conditioned upon dwelling in His presence. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to say that again. Most of the promises of God are conditioned on practicing His presence, dwelling and abiding in his presence. Are you anxious? If anxiety is your dominant thought, then you are not practicing his presence. Do you hate your job? And you just mull it over all day long, all week long? Today's Sunday, Monday's coming? Do you hate your job? You're not practicing. I can I develop this big time. You're not practicing your presence. Are you worried about family and life and things that happen regarding your home and different things? You're not practicing his presence. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nitpicky. But we're talking about practicing his presence where Jesus is Lord of our life and other things are not. And I'm not picking on you because I, like I haven't been there. I've been, I've been anxious about things. I've had jobs that I've hated. 
worried about things. And in those moments when I'm worried, because worrying is meditation. <coughs> worrying is meditating on what is wrong, what, the, the, the worst case scenarios. We say that we don't know how to meditate, yet we do it all the time without any lessons. We didn't have to have any, any classes. This is how you worry about your life. We didn't have to have any messages or any books, books written, any seminars, any conferences. This is how to worry. No, we do it naturally. We meditate in a negative fashion because anything that's not a faith is sin. Worrying is not a faith. I'm not picking on anybody. Okay? But we should be different than the world and we should not be anxious. We should not be worried about things. And even if we hate our job, we should have a spirit of joy. I believe God can give us another job, a better job, but while we're there, it's going to be a happy place. Okay? See, all these things I'm talking about are symptoms of not dwelling in God. Dwelling in God, again, is a fixed position. Because all these things I'm talking about, anxiety, worry, is not keeping our mind in perfect peace because he says he will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Because he trusts in him. <coughs> We're talking about meditation. We're talking about practicing his presence. And the word stayed in the Hebrew means to grab hold of. It's like a bulldog. It doesn't let go. When your mind is stayed upon God, no matter what is going on, your mind is going to, like a bulldog, it's going to grab hold of God and meditate on God day and night, and it's not going to let go. Okay? See, being stayed upon Him is being so fixed on God and the things of God, the Word of God, the mind of God. And when you, when that becomes a lifestyle, you won't suffer lack, you won't suffer loss, you won't suffer um, all these different things like fear. Okay? Again, Psalm 91, He who dwells in secret places must have shall abide under the shadow of His wings. And in the shadow of His wings, there's no lack, there's no fear, there's no loss, there's no sickness. See, so everything I'm describing is not just something we visit. Being stayed upon Him, meditating on Him day and night, dwelling in Him, abiding in Him. We're talking about not passing in His presence, we're talking more specifically about living in His presence. It's where we live, it's where we dwell, it's where we abide. It's where we are fixed upon, like a bulldog, and we're not going to let go. See, most problems are not aware of His presence. If you're, if you're problem, whatever you're going through, is being magnified in your life right now versus the Word of God, the presence of God, the things of God, then in this moment, in this situation, you're allowing that thing to be the Lord of your life. And you're meditating on that day and night and not the Word of God in the, in the moment. Maybe yesterday you were doing great. Maybe tomorrow you would do better. But it, whatever, what's dominating your thought right now? 
Because if something, if there's worry, anxiety, anything else, your mind is not stayed upon him in the moment. And it goes back to my previous point, being stayed upon him, dwelling in him, is not an occasional event. One day we're here, one day we're not. See, most problems are not aware of his presence. If they were, it would change our thoughts, it would change our emotions, and it would change our actions. If our minds were stayed upon him, if we were dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and abiding in his presence, it would change the way we think, it would change the way our emotions uh, uh, respond, and it would change our actions. <coughs> Let's continue to build on this. Proverbs 3 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path straight. In all your ways. Do you know what the word all means in Hebrew? All. Nothing is, nothing is excluded. Well, Pastor Dave, I do it most of the time, but this particular thing, is, I mean, you don't understand what I'm going through. I don't need to understand what you're going through. Because in all your ways, you acknowledge Him. All means all. All doesn't mean most. All doesn't mean some. All doesn't mean the one, the, the top five. Okay? All means all. In all your way, acknowledge Him. You can't be acknowledging Him and being worried about things. You can't be acknowledging Him and not be in His presence. You can't be acknowledging him and your mind not be stayed upon him. Okay? You can't do this if you're not first aware of him. You can't acknowledge him if you don't acknowledge he is this. Okay? <clears throat> yes, in Christ, and there's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament about who we are in Christ, we are already blessed. But for many ways to see that blessing and manifestation is based on our response to his presence. Our response to allowing God be God in life, because we're going back to Romans one twenty one in just a moment, is because we're glorifying God as God. Not the things we're going through; they're not God of our life. God is God. Okay, and when God, we're not glorifying God as God, and we're not being thankful, we begin to have vain imaginations, and our heart becomes darkened. And it started. Because we got out of his presence of glorifying God as God. It's like we have a check made out of our name, but we need to go cash it. That check is just a piece of paper until you cash and deposit that money into the bank or, 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 get, the, or get, the, get the cash. Again, he will keep a perfect peace through the mind that stayed upon you because he trusted you. Okay? Excuse me. Hopefully this is making sense. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're talking about, again, st staying our mind on Him, we're talking about, again, our imaginations. Okay? Staying our mind on Him is important for us to receive from God. You're going to have very high time receiving from God, finances, answers to prayer, whatever it might be. Healing. If your mind is not stayed upon Him, you're going to have a hard time. But why? Because first of all, you're not 
have trust in him. In that circumstance, in that moment, in that time, you're not trusting him. See, when we're talking about meditating on the scripture day and night, that means our mind is stayed upon him, and meditating on his scripture day and night affects our imagination. Rather than mulling over the thing that's bothering us, or we're worried about, or we're concerned about, and meditating on that day and night, we're meditating on God and the Word of God day and night, and we'll be prosperous and have good success. And we'll have perfect peace. Perfect peace. Okay? Meditating on his word day and night means that we're focused on it all day. And we're focused on it all night. Some of you, your problems keep you up at night. Some of you have never experienced the word of God keeping you up at night. Because you just can't shut it off. Your dreams and everything you think about. Even in your subconsciousness. You're thinking you're staying upon him. See, if you're so focused on God. You'll see yourself being prosperous. You'll see yourself succeeding. You'll see yourself having healing and having great success. Let's look at another scripture, Psalm 1, verses 1 and 3. Blessed the man who walks in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, <coughs> nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law... He meditates day and night. Joshua is not the only one who had a revelation. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf always shall not wither, and whatever he does shall not shall prosper. This sounds like a lot like Jeremiah 17. As well as many other scriptures. We're going to be talking about food again this morning in another aspect in just a few moments. Okay? But this psalm, Psalm 1, verses 1 to 3, and the rest of the psalm is good too. But again, we're talking about meditating on him day and night. His law, his word, his precepts. This psalm also, when it talks about fruitfulness, which is another term for prosperity, being fruitful. It's being prosperous. It's, it's describing a lifestyle, a life that is, 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 is that is increasingly becoming aware of God's presence. See, when you're meditating on Him day and night, you're increasingly becoming aware of His presence in your imaginations. You know, in other words, it's how you picture what God has said to you, both in His written word and in the rainbow word from God, when God's spoken to you personally. You know, be, that's, that's what we can meditate day and night. We need to meditate on the written word, but we also need to meditate on the things that he's spoken to us. Okay? We also need to meditate on the things that he's done through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and many other things. We need to meditate, we need to meditate on the things that God has written on our hearts, which kind of goes back to what I just said. Okay? See, it's when we meditate on him day and night, and this is a walk, this is how we live, it's where we really see. I talked several weeks ago about spiritual eyes. 
We have a spiritual heart, but we have spiritual eyes. And whatever you're meditating on is what you're actually focused on, what you're actually seeing. And if you will see the Word of God, if you will see God, if you'll practice His presence, that's how the power is released. But some of you are so focused on the negative, so focused on carnal, natural things, more than the things of God, and you're actually releasing that thing. You're actually feeling, you're actually increasing that, you're actually giving that thing more power than you are the things of God. Let's go to John 15. In John 15, actually, actually I, I have this back in my notes. I forget why I put it right here. But again, this is the main scripture that we've been looking at. We talk about the glorifying God is God and whatnot. Let's go to John 15. I am the true vine. Let me read it through the first nine verses and we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll look at several of these verses. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, does that fruit again. He takes away and every branch that bears fruit, he proves that it may bear more fruit. God wants us to be fruitful. You are already clean because of the word of God, word I have spoken to you. So he's talking to the Christians. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. <coughs> Excuse me. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. And I can spend a lot more time and keep going uh, in this powerful passage in John 15. In context, he's talking about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16. And I, I stop here because I can preach a whole other message on abiding in his love. Okay, so how do we know God is love? And we're talking about blessings in his presence. We'll come back to this in just a moment. So let me make some thoughts here uh, real quick um, before I go there. Now, I should go back to another verse, but he's talking about if we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. Are you following me so far? Okay. I don't, I don't have that specific verse on the screen right now. But when he says that we'll bear much fruit, what fruit is he, is he talking about? <coughs> okay. For example, in Galatians, Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In Philippians, and also and James also talks about this in James chapter 3, he talks, talks about the fruit of righteousness. And Solomon also does in the book of Proverbs, he, he says right, uh, the fruit of righteousness is like the, the fruit from the tree of life. In Genesis chapter, chapter 1. In, in Romans chapter 6, we have Paul talks about the fruit of holiness. And in Romans chapter 1, he talks about the fruit of a, a, a new convert, someone coming to Christ. And so we have all kinds of fruit in the scripture. Okay? <coughs> Excuse me. And in the context, he's actually talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about, so we have that fruit as well, which goes back to the fruit of the Spirit. Let me just plug in something here real quick, and we'll come back to John 15. 
In 2 Timothy, this is Paul's last letter, he writes to Timothy, his apprentice, a young pastor that he's raising up. In some of his very last words, he says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Talk about practicing his presence. We're talking about abiding, meditating on the Word of God. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. He's telling young Timothy, a young pastor, you need to continue in the Scriptures, in the things that you learn, which are able to make you wise for salvation through for which is which is in Christ Jesus. I can spend a lot of time on this. And then he goes into what we what most of us do know. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and thoughtful for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training, for instruction in righteousness, excuse me, righteousness twice, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay? If we will continue in the word of God because all scripture is powerful for all the things that we might be reproved, trained, corrected, and trained in righteousness, so that the man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you want to be equipped for every good work, then you need to continue in the Word of God. It will make you wise through salvation. Salvation in both the Greek and Hebrew is defined as wholeness, prosperity, healing, deliverance, and more. It includes our forgiveness of our sins. If you want to be wise into salvation, if you want to be duly equipped for every good work, then you need to continue in the Word of God. If you're continuing in anything, you are abiding in it. You are staying in it. You are dwelling in it. Does that make sense? Let's go back to verse, um, verse 4. Excuse me. Sorry. I should have had a slide there. But verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and it's in you unless you abide in me. So, this is the verse I should have had on the screen when I just talked about what I just talked about. But this word abide, we're talking about many definitions this morning, but the word abide means to stay in a given place, to stay in a, in a given state, or stay in a, a given relation, to stay in a given experience expectancy. That's from the Strong's Concordance, from the Greek. From the English Dictionary, this word abide means to remain, to stay, to dwell. All these definitions from the Greek and also from the English Dictionaries is talking about a consistency. Right, follow me. It's not occasional. It's consistent. It's steadfast. So we're, we need to abide, we step back in God. We need to stay, we need to dwell, we need to remain. Okay? <clears throat> Again, abiding is not occasional. How many of you know, and let me go back to where it was, the just lives by his faith. I'm not going to read all this right now, it's all good. Okay? But the just lives by his faith. We live there. We live by faith, not by sight. This is not somewhere where we visit. This is not somewhere where we just check in for a, two, a one night stand. This is where we live. We live by faith. We don't just visit. See, there's no substitute for abiding in His presence. 
And that's what we're talking about in this whole series. We're talking about practicing the expression. There's no substitute for abiding, staying, dwelling, remaining in His presence. See, a major reason most Christians don't experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give us because He says, the thief comes to kill, still kill. The thief comes, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you have, may have it more abundantly. The reason why more Christians are not experiencing the abundant life is that they are not staying, remaining, abiding in His presence. Most people only abide in Jesus during a crisis. Or 15 minutes or an hour a day. Or one day a week on Sunday. But once they visit His presence, they resume doing life in their own way and doing their own thing. That's not the picture of Christianity I read about in the Word of God. Where we just visit His presence and then we go do our own thing. That's not His presence. That's not, that's not what I glean from being in His presence. Okay? Abiding is key to bearing fruit. You cannot bear fruit unless you abide in Him. What fruit? Well, fruit of the Spirit. You can't bear the fruit of the Spirit if you're not abiding in Him. You can't bear the fruit of righteousness if you're not abiding in Him. You can't bear the fruit of holiness. The fruit of holiness if you're not abiding in Him. And you can't bear the fruit of winning others of Christ if you're not abiding in Him. Okay? And I can go on and on and on. See, fruit is born in the branch. And the Bible says that we are branches. In the context, we are branches. I don't have that verse on the screen. I should have had that on here. Okay? And because fruit comes out of the branch, it's easy to give the, the branch the credit. The branch doesn't bear fruit. The branch is the conduit or the, uh, the extension of the plant that where, where the fruit is born out of. But the branch, the vine, drew life from the earth, from the seed, from the roots, and channeled it through the branch. And we see the fruit coming out of the branch, but the branch is not the source. The branch is connected to the source. Are you following me? Do you know that you can graft, I don't know exactly how you, you can graft a, a tree, a branch, from an orange tree into an apple tree, and if you do it properly, that branch that came from an orange tree will produce apples. Why? Because the branch is not the source. The, 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 the seed, the roots, the earth, where, where it's planted in the earth, is the source. Am I making sense? Okay? So how, if we're not abiding in God, how are we expected to see the fruit of God? In our lives. And we wonder why we're not seeing the abundant life manifest. Because we might abide in Him on Sunday and when we're having devotions or in the crisis. 
but all the other times we are biting in our own selves and we are trying to produce on our own selves like a branch that's been cut off the, off the tree. See, we are the branches. I guess I did have that verse on the screen. As a branch cannot bear fruit uh, of itself. Okay? We are the branches. Okay? See, if there's any holiness coming out of our lives, we're not the source. It's God. It's Jesus. If there's any temperance, self-control coming out of our life, it's not God. It's not us. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Because temperance is not the fruit of the flesh. It's the fruit of the Spirit. If there's any healing, when Jesus said, go heal the sick, he told you and I to go heal the sick. And you're like, I can't heal anybody. Well, then you don't, you're not abiding in the Word of God because Jesus told you to go heal the sick. But I can't heal the sick. You're not you. You're crucified with Christ, and it's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You died, and you became a whole new creation in Christ Jesus. And you would get that revelation from abiding in the Word of God and the things of God, and you need to realize you're not you anymore. You died. Paul says we know no man after the flesh. But we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And so we can go heal the sick because we're not us. It's Jesus who's living in us. In Him we live and we move and we have our being. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. And Jesus is on the inside of us. <coughs> Hopefully I'm making sense with this. See, it's not... Us who's producing holiness and temperance and healing and many other things. It's the fruit of the Spirit of God of us abiding in Him. <coughs> Excuse me. The moment we think we're the source, we will no longer be abiding. We will no longer be trusting in the vine. We'll no longer be relying on the vine. We'll no longer be resting in the vine. We'll no longer be clinging to the vine. Excuse me. I want to say that again. The moment we think we're the source, we are no longer abiding in Him. We're no longer resting and trusting and relying on Him. We're no longer clinging to Him. And the, if we think we're the source, we're going to see fruitlessness if we persist in that mindset. If we persist in the mindset that we're the source, then we will be fruitless in our lives. On a moral level, on an evangelistic level, on a holiness level, in every area of, 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 of yeah, scripture says that we are supposed to live. Everything that we read in Psalm 91 will be fruitless in our lives if we're not abiding and dwelling in Him. See, some of that can sound harsh, but I find a great relief by saying that. Because the responsibility is not on me. 
The responsibility is on Jesus who is in me. The responsibility for all these things is on Jesus, the vine that I'm plugged into. My responsibility is that I need to abide. He does all the work, but I abide. I need to yield to him. I need to do what he tells me to do. I need to water the tree. I need to fertilize it. I need to abide in him. But he does all the increase. It's his life, not my life. We abide in him. We respond to his ability as we yield. Branches don't trail to bear fruit. Have you ever seen any fruit tree travail to produce fruit? The branches are not travailing, folks. What we do do, we labor to enter into his rest. And when we're resting, when we're abiding in him, he does all the work. Our labor is to enter into that abidement. If I can say that right. And I know that's a word. Okay? We labor to trust Him. We labor to be dependent on Him. We labor to enter into that rest. But once we're in that rest, He does everything else. And while we're in that rest, He may tell us to do something or say something or go somewhere. And we yield to that. We abide in that. Because if he tells us to do something, that's where he, it's like the pillar cloud that led by day and the pillar of fire by night. We follow him. And if we don't follow him, we just detach like a branch off a tree. And like, well, you're saying we lost our salvation? No, he said, you're clean. All of you are already clean by the word I've spoken to. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about being fruitful. Being effective. Okay? So we need to completely trust in Jesus. He will keep him in a purpose, peace, whose mind is upon him because he trusts in him. The just lives by faith. We need to completely trust in Jesus as our source. Because again, we live by faith and not by sight. If we abide in him, fruit is very natural. If the branch will abide in that tree, in the vine, from the outside, it looks very easy. <coughs> See, as a gardener or a farmer, my job is to plant the seed, water the seed, Nurture that seed. Fertilize that seed. And one day you gather the harvest of that seed. But it's not my job for that seed to grow. And be fruitful. Am I making sense? I am on the outside just nurturing, watering, planting that seed, watering, and, and nurturing that thing. 
But it's growing on its own from the inside out by the power of God. Just like if you're pregnant. The mother, while she has a baby in her womb, needs to keep, take care of her own body because she is holding the body of another human being. She needs to nurture it, feed it, take care of it. In that regard. But she really has nothing to do with that baby growing in her womb. God is doing it. God is doing a miracle during that nine, ten month process. Now she might get some labor when she's in labor. And I'm not saying there's not some labor during that process. A gardener, a farmer, they're laboring to, to water and take care of the crops. But the crop is actually growing because on its own, effort, it seems like it's effortless. Because really, the growth itself, the, the, the fruitfulness of, its, of itself is effortless from the farmer's point of view. His effort is only to nurture that thing. Okay. And going with the parable of the sower, and Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand any of the parables. The word of God is a seed, and it needs to get into our hearts. So that can produce 30, 60, 100 volt. Our, our, the, our hearts is the soil. And we spent a lot of time talking about the heart over the last few weeks. But right now I'm talking about meditating on the word of God. Hopefully I'm making sense. Let's go back to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me. I in him bears much more fruit, but without me you can do nothing. Most of us need to abide in him more. More consistently. More faithfully. But some will come, some will say, whether they say it out loud or whether they're saying it in their own minds and thoughts, I don't have time to spend more time with you don't understand my schedule, Pastor Dave. See, if we could see with our spiritual eyes how detached we are from how detached we are as branches without Jesus, we would make more time. I want to say that again because I felt a little jumbled with that. If we could see with our spiritual eyes how detached we are as branches without Jesus, we would make more time. If we had a revelation by the Spirit of God that we're not the vine, we're only the branches, and how apart from Him we can't do anything, we would make time. Because if we say we don't have enough time to abide in Him more, then we don't have a we don't have time to do anything. Because apart from Him, you can't do anything anyway. So if you say you don't have time because you're so busy to do something, then you don't have time to do anything. There is nothing more valuable, more important than spending time with Jesus. If you're so busy, you don't have time to spend with him. That is a loud 
indication you need to spend more time. You need to readjust your priorities. Something is wrong. See, the more demands we have, the more we need to abide in Him. You know, sometimes when we're watering our grass or if you have a crop during the summer, when it's hotter, you got to water more. It takes more effort to do so. See, abiding demands intimacy. Intimacy can't be achieved without time spent. <laughs> I'm not going to have time to spend, or I'm not going to take the time to talk about the birds and the bees. Okay? But you cannot have intimacy unless you take some time to do it. Okay? And we must have intimacy alone with our God. We also must learn to practice His presence during all of our activities. I am totally okay with having dedicated devotions. Because I would need to have more, maybe even more, maybe more devotions throughout the day. Okay. But we also need to have a mindset that we need to learn how, even while we're busy, <coughs> <coughs> Throughout our day, we are spending time with God, even if it's not in a devotional mindset or, or posture. Making sense. You might not always have hours on end to, to have what you call devotions all day long. But you can train yourself by the Spirit of the living God that throughout your workday, no matter what your job is, to, to, have, to be meditating and acting and growing and living as if Jesus is there with you all day long. And having a conversation with him in your mind, in your thoughts, in your meditation. You can do that. You need to do that. If you're not doing that you are missing out and you are not abiding him and you're trying to do everything without him. See, trying to do life without Jesus is unrealistic. It's not God's will. It's not it's unrealistic and not God's will to try and live our lives in total seclusion from God. Isolation is dangerous. I could spend a whole time, a whole series talking about the dangerousness of isolation. Because if God's not going to get all of your time and abiding Someone else, an enemy, is wants it, and he will get it through any other channel he can but God. We can also bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not natural, but mighty in the God for pulling down strongholds. 
drawn over usually happen in the mind, casting down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, we are going to cast down that argument. And we bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And we have to do that daily. We can't always control thoughts coming in our minds, but we can bring them captive when they do. I can't control a, a, a bird landing on my head, but I can control what it's going to build nest in. Again, we're talking about dwelling in the secret place of the Most High God. We're talking about abiding in the shadow of His wings. See, God promises divine blessings, divine intervention for those who dwell in His presence. See, a branch can't survive only abiding 15 minutes a day. Can you imagine that? A branch? Just 15 minutes a day, it gets plugged into the vine, and the other, the other 23 hours and 45 minutes of the day, it's actually just laying there on the ground. Detached. And you think that thing's going to grow? And be healthy? And it's going to bear fruit? And I know that sounds like an unrealistic picture. Well, it's actually a very realistic picture compared to how we try to live our life with detached from God all day long. We can't survive with only 15 minutes a day or an hour a day of devotions or one day a week devotions. We can't just visit God. We must dwell, we must abide in His presence always. Again, verse 5. I divine you are the branches he who abides in me, and I in him bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Without Jesus, you can't do anything. If you think you can do things without abiding in him, you are a fool. I say that with love, but I say that very bluntly. You're a fool. But it says we can't do anything without him. But in one sense of the word, we're never without him. I mean, it says in Matthew, though I'm with you always to the, uh, always. Sorry for the repetitive today. Okay. It says in Hebrews 13, that I will never leave you and forsake you. So in one sense of the word, he said, we, without him we can't do anything. And then and on, the other side, on the other side of the coin, we can all argue back, well, we we're never without him. Yes, that's true. But there's also what I call balance. Okay. Yes, he is always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Okay? God doesn't leave. We do. Okay? Just because he's with you, <coughs> just because he's with you doesn't mean you are acknowledging him. It says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But if you're not acknowledging him in all of your ways, he's there, he's with you, he's in you, but you're not even acknowledging him. He can't direct your path straight because he's not going to micromanage your life without your consent. It 
It says in Philemon, Philemon, that the communication of your faith, and we're talking about faith this morning, may be effectual by the knowledge of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Folks, he's there, but we need to acknowledge him in all of our ways, not just some. Otherwise, our faith that we are communicating is ineffectual. It's not effective. But we must acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. So again, if anyone's not abiding him, they're cast out. See, our failures are a result of not abiding in him and vine. When we unplug and become detached from the source, we lose the strength and blessing of God flowing through these veins to the conduit of the, of, the, of the branch. We become unfruitful and we can do nothing without Him. Okay? Because we can't do anything without Him. Let's go to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. We all want our prayers answered. But few are willing to abide in Jesus continually. Some of us, again, some of us only come to him when there is a problem, when there's a prayer request. Okay? But this promise is conditioned on us abiding in him. If you abide in him. And my words abide in you. You can ask. You know, six times in this in this context, Matt, between John 14, 15, and 16, six times Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. And, and here, we see that there's a condition to it. We have to abide in him. And we need to abide in his word. You can't just say, I'm abiding in him, but you're not abiding in his word. It doesn't work that way. Because if you don't abide in his word, you're not abiding him because he is the word. The word's not the ink. The word is a person. His name is Jesus. And we need to abide in him and his word. Some of you want to know what God has to say, and you won't even read his word. Does God speak to us personally? Yes. But that does not substitute abiding in his word. You know, there's a lot of people, I can't go so much because I need to be careful how far I go with this, but just because I don't want to go down a rabbit trail. But sometimes I'm ministering to someone, and they're asking a question, I already wrote an article on it. And I'm not trying to be impersonal, but I'm also talking to a lot of people, I have another job, whatever the case may be, and so I read it, I give them an article. Somebody wrote, wrote on the topic. And not that we can't continue the conversation after they read the article, but they're unwilling to read the article. And they're saying, I don't have time to read the article. Well, you have time to talk. And I know, I, I know it may sound impersonal, and I'm not trying to be mean, 
something I said already on the topic. Anyway, I'm just trying to paint this as a picture. Maybe I'll start trying, and maybe I'm doing a lousy job with that. But if we're not willing to read what he said, then we're not really not in no condition to hear what he said. Because if we don't have the time and we don't take the priority to value his word, we're not going to value anything he says us personally. Because we have already shown that we don't value him. Okay? I hope I'm making sense. I'm not trying to get anyone's case. I'm trying to help. Okay? We all want our possessions and few are willing to take abide in him. This promise is conditioned on us abiding in him and his word. It's not God failing to answer our prayers. If we're not abiding in him, and you say that together, if it's not God failing to answer our prayers if we're not abiding in him. Because he said he will answer our prayers if we abide in him and his word. See, Satan many times hinders our prayers. You know how Satan hinders our prayers many times? He distracts us from his abiding in him and his word. Did you not read the parable of the sower? How the enemy comes immediately to steal that seed. What's the seed? The word. If he can't do that, he'll try to choke it out. Or he'll make it really rocky with a lot of cares of this world and choke it out with the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the care for other things. Some of you don't realize what the Satan is trying to steal your seed of abiding in him and his word. If he can't get you there, he will try to make it rocky soil. He'll try to make it, he'll try to choke it out of you. It's only the seed of God's word that falls in good soil. The heart that we talked about in the last few weeks that produces a crop 30, 60, 100 full. And why the 30, 60, 100? Why not is all the same? Because we're not all fighting him at the same level. And I, I can spend a lot more time unpacking, unpacking that. I know in my own life there have been some seasons in my life where I'm spending more time abiding him than I am another time and I see a different level of results in my own life 36-800 when I'm all in I see a bigger harvest see Satan hinders our prayers by not us abiding him our carnality, our naturalness, our natural mind renders us powerless to do anything about it. Sometimes the enemy gets us so distracted with problems. Sometimes the enemy gets us so distracted with the cares of this world that he chucks out the word of God of abiding in him and abiding in his word. Because some of us have priorities to run. We're more concerned about stuff than we are about him. We won't come out and say that. That's not our mindset. We are just distracted. Because we got, somehow we got distracted from abiding in him. We got unplugged. We got detached. But the other thing, we're actually abiding in the other things. We're not abiding in him. 
See, this verse and other verses like this is not a promise that all quests, all prayer requests will be answered. If we meet certain conditions. See, the I, I have to throw this in there. All requests must line up with the Word of God. Well, how are you going to know what the Word of God says? You abide in it. If you are abiding in the Word of God, you're going to know what you can and cannot ask. Okay? When you are abiding in Jesus, His Word is abiding in you. And when His Word is abiding in you, it changes your desires. See, if you're abiding in God, and you're abiding in His Word, that your own desires change, and so therefore the things that you ask will change. If you are abiding in God, you're, you're all in. <coughs> and you're all in His Word. And everything that you ask is going to come out of that fruit. Am I making sense? When I'm abiding in God like I should be, my desires totally change. And everything I'm asking is coming, is stimming, is flowing from that desire and from that diet of Him in my life. See, God does not change to accommodate us. We change to accommodate God. See, the branch is abiding in the vine. It's not the vine abiding in the branch. We're abiding in the vine, which is God, which is Jesus. Let's go to verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. A true disciple must bear I'm going to say this again. A true disciple bears much fruit. Not just some fruit, but much fruit. And those who are not bearing much fruit, according to this, are not his disciples. Let me pick this up. Let me look at it another way. John 8. Because this is John 15. Just before Jesus went to the cross. So he's already talked about this in John 8. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word. There's that phrase again. <coughs> Excuse me. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Shall make you free. It's not just the truth will make you free. It's the truth that you know. That you have a relationship with. That you have intimacy with. Where do you know the truth? By abiding in him. And it's only those who are abiding in him that are his disciples. If we continue and abide in his word, we will be the disciples. And we shall know the truth and the truth that we know will set us free. When we come to really know the truth, that truth that we know will bear much fruit. And that fruit will glorify God. See, some of us will use, let me go forward, some of us will use 
this verse to justify our failures. Well, God willed me not to succeed. Well, that's not what he said here. God just, so when we, when we have failures, a lot of times we just say, well, God didn't want me to succeed in this. That's not what the Word of God says. In other words, let me paint that picture a little differently. God didn't want me to see because he wanted to teach me something. That's not how God teaches you. He says all scripture is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness. God will teach you through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. God doesn't teach you by bad things happening. God doesn't teach you by things that by taking away the things that glorify Him. See, the Word of God says that if we will meditate on His Word day and night, abiding in His Word, we will have be prospered and have good success. God honors His Word above His name. Barrenness, barrenness does not glorify God. Fruitfulness does. God's will is for us to have fruit and fruit that remains. Hebrews 9. And the Father loved me, and I also love you. Abide in my love. Again, I said, I said this earlier. I could spend a lot of time just in this whole teaching, and I have and, and, and other messages. How do you know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His love never changes. His love for us is like he loves Jesus. And we are to remain, we are to abide in his love. And because God is love. He never stops loving you. We're the ones that stop remaining in His love. If you don't feel the love of God, because you're not abiding in His love. God never stopped. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you need to get plugged back into His love. Okay? Again, going back to verse 4 for a moment. Abide in me, and I in you, and the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless you abide in me. Abide in the vine, not in you, unless you abide in me. See, it says in 1 John 4, 16, that we have known and believed the love that God has for us. We're still talking about love here for a moment. And God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. There's that word abide again. We need to abide in God. We need to abide in his love. See, let me just throw this in here. Jesus is worthy of his love. Jesus is worthy of his Father's love. We are not worthy. Did you hear me? You and I, we're not worthy of his love. In and of ourselves. We all deserve hell. Okay? We were all enemies of God. So how can he love us the same as he loved Jesus? Because it's not based on our performance. It's beyond our ability to understand it. See, it's the... 
We need to behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it does not know him. Verse 2, forgive me. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed that we should be what we shall be. We know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And a lot more I could go into all of this. But when we, when we, when Christ dwells in our hearts, and that's what we're talking about, that we are being so rooted and grounded in love, who is God. We may be able to comprehend with all the saints what the, the, the full dimension of his love. The width, the length, the depth, and the height. And to know, to experience the love of God, Christ, which surpasses intellectual knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to power that works in us. I felt like I'm going through this a little fast, maybe a little too fast. I'm running out of time. But as we abide in his love, as we, as we dwell, we allow Christ, who is love, to dwell in our hearts. And we're grounded and rooted and grounded in that love. We're talking about fasting his presence. We're talking about abiding in his love. We will, and we, we know the love of Christ. We are intimate with the love of Christ. Will be filled with this fullness, and we are able. He is able to. Who, he who is in us, he who we're abiding in His love, is able to do far above beyond that we can ever think, imagine, according to His power that works in us. Because here in His love, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Right. Almost done here. I got three minutes. Again, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask what you will desire, and it should be done for you. Verse 7. To all the promises of God, all his word is for you. It's not against you, it's for you. He read it, he wrote his word to you. But you have to be conscious of what he said, what he promised. You have to renew your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 1 2. You have to be aware of the things that he's told you. And you, you can ask what you desire. How, how are you going to get that desire? Because you abide in him. See, it's not a matter of his faithfulness. Which is going to sound backwards. Okay? It's not a matter of his faithfulness because he is faithful. Us having problems, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is constant. He's the same. But it's not a matter of his faithfulness. It's a matter of our faithfulness to him, his presence. We need to abide. He's there. He's steadfast. All of his promises are yes and amen to the glory of God by us. But we need to practice His presence. We need to abide in Him and abide in His Word. Okay? In other words, we must be so laser-focused on God that it changes our hearts. It changes our desires. It changes what we ask. It touches God's heart. It glorifies Him. And we bear much fruit because we are abiding in the vine. It causes us to bear much fruit. And there's something more unto you. 
Again, verse 4. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is such a profound truth, folks. And it's the key to bearing fruit, because we can't bear fruit of ourselves. It's easy to forget. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to be so caught up with the cares of this world. Fruit is so born is born on the branch, and it's easy to give credit to the branch. But the source is the vine, and if we are connected to the source, the vine, we will bear much fruit. We are the branches. We are the channels to the life of God flows. <coughs> I want to say that again. We are the channels by which the life of God flows. That means we need to be connected and abided to the channel. It's not our holiness, it's not our anointing, it's the fruit of God flowing through our veins. Our faith is abiding in Him. We are simply walking by faith and not by sight. Hope we are making sense as we're closing. We've been talking through this whole series so far about glorifying God as God, being thankful, having good imaginations. Today we're going to talk about having good imagination because we're abiding in God, abiding in His Word. So that our heart is not darkened, but our heart is enlightened. See, salvation, holiness, righteousness, justification, and more are the gifts we receive in our spirits through Jesus. When we became born again, we received the gift of salvation, the gift of righteousness and justification and, and so forth. They're gifts. But for those gifts to be manifested in our lives, we need to abide in Him. Okay? Just as the root is in the soil, just as the branch is in the vine, just as fish are in the sea, our, our believer's true life comes from our union. With Jesus. Our victory that we have in Jesus. And I get later on this year I'm going to be talking about our victory in Jesus in more detail. But our victory in Jesus comes from abiding in Jesus and abiding in his word. Again, the Father, our Father is glorified when we bear much fruit being his disciples. You know, I started this whole series giving a testimony from Captain Coleman who talked about the secret to her ministry and that was like Wigglesworth and whatnot. The secret to the ministry was that they process the presence of God. One thing that Captain Coleman and others prioritized more than anything else that was in their own personal lives was valuing their own personal relationship with God. Their own personal relationship with Jesus. Their own personal relationship with the Word of God. Their own personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, uh, I've been wanting to the last couple weeks, but I didn't get there. I've been wanting to spend, as we're talking about practicing His presence, i got to spend some time talking about the Holy Spirit. 
in context of not what we just read this morning from John 15, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. But I haven't talked a lot about the Holy Spirit specifically in this series. And so I need to spend at least one more week talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about practicing His presence. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need, just like the, in the Old Testament, they had the pure cloud lead them by day. And the pillar of fire by night, which represented the Holy Spirit, with, a, with an illustration of what the Holy Spirit does. We need to practice His presence by spending time with the Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Spirit. And so we need to spend some time on this before I conclude this message and go on to other topics that are very important as well. We need to practice His presence and we need to talk about the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're going to be talking about next week. We come back, and so it'll be part seven of the series. That's not was only going to be three or four weeks, but now part seven. Next week, we'll be talking about practices of his presence as we talk about the Holy Spirit. That was the whole reason for the bell here. You know, and so I got to spend some time on the Holy Spirit uh, next, sorry, next week. So, anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Happy Father's Day, and we'll talk to you soon.